Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This video is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Dan to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And be sure to stay tuned after the review for more info. Athletic Greens, the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review for All of Us Are Dead, which has been the most-watched show on Netflix worldwide as far as hours watched for the past couple weeks. And I love that Netflix is putting out this kind of data now because it can kind of help clue me in on some things that I might have missed. This was a show that I decided to see what the fuss was about because so many people were watching it, and it was one that I really, really like. So I want to do a full review here for you. The first part's going to be non-spoiler, so if you don't know what the show is, you can watch the first part, check out the show if you want. The second part is going to be a spoiler review. So if you've seen the show and you want to know my thoughts about specific things in the story, then you can watch that part. All of Us Are Dead is the latest in a strategic partnership between Netflix and South Korean talent in order to develop original content. So this is not something that was made and then bought by Netflix. They are starting to produce more and more stuff with South Korea. Squid Game was another Netflix co-production. The show is 12 episodes long and it's based off of a webtoon that was published between 2009 and 2011. And I guess you could best describe it as a zombie teen high school horror drama. There's lots of different genres that are sort of getting blended here. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't work. In this case, I think it worked really, really well. Now, I'll say right up top that this is a show that was, as I mentioned, made in Korea, and I watched the show uh, not dubbed, but in the original Korean with subtitles. Even so, though, I'm sure that I'm going to mispronounce the names. I'm going to do my best, uh, but it's something that I'm still working on. The bulk of All of Us Are Dead follows a group of high school students at Hyosan High when a virus that turns their classmates into zombies starts to infect the school and the city. They have to fight for survival while authorities outside the school search for a solution solution to the sickness that threatens to spread worldwide. One thing I like about this story is that they don't pretend that zombies don't exist. They name drop the movie Train to Busan at one point. So it's not as if a, it's a Walking Dead thing where you have to just pretend like everything that's ever been written about zombies is in some complete pocket universe. And yet, even though we live in a world where zombies exist, the explanation for why they exist actually makes sense because it's rooted in a believable story point. It's rooted in believable what I'm sure is pseudoscience, but it doesn't just seem like this weird coincidence. Now, these are the more modern zombies. I guess you would call them the fast zombies. But in this case, I think it makes them more lethal, especially when they are attacking in large numbers. The brutality here is genuinely terrifying, especially when you see how quickly people can turn. When you see someone go from a scared high school student to a murderous zombie, literally in a matter of seconds, it really underscores the urgency of this situation. The show is incredibly well acted, and even though 
most of the lead actors are a little beyond high school age, they do a really good job portraying these kids who are in the face of something that they never thought that they would actually have to confront in their lives. None of their reactions strike a false note through the entire show, and they all run the gamut of emotions from trauma to fear to humor, anger, disbelief, so many different reactions from so many different characters and they're so well drawn that you understand how each one of them is going through this and coping with this situation differently. Just to pick a few standouts, Yoon Chen Young plays Chong San, the closest to what I would call the show's main protagonist. He starts as the moral center of the group but transitions into a heroic role ready to sacrifice his own safety for the group's well-being. Park Ji-hoo plays Anjo, Chung San's neighbor and secret crush. Park's performance is quiet but effective. She's not one of the most openly emotive of the group, but she often drives home the emotional toll of what's happening. Her complicated relationship with Chung San also ups the drama in the second half of the show. If I was going to give an award for best villain of 2022, then the winner by far, not even a contest, would be Gui Nam, who's played in this show by an actor named Yu In-su. He starts out as just a sociopathic bully, but things get worse when a quirk in his genetics allows him to become immune to the mindlessness of being a zombie, but gain their supernatural abilities. Gui Nam is chilling in his ruthlessness, and Yu does a fantastic fantastic job of making him an eminently hateable bad guy. Other standouts include the character of Daesu, who's played by Im Jae-hyuki, the show's effective comic relief. Jeon Bae-su plays Nam Soju, Anjo's father and the head of Hyosan's emergency services, who fights to reach his daughter at school. Kim Byung-chui plays Mr. Lee, the teacher who's behind the creation of the virus, and he plays his role with a mix of horror at what's been going on, but also some kind of demented satisfaction with the fact that something that he made is this effective. And finally, there's Cho Yi-hyun as Namra, the reclusive class president who becomes an unlikely hero in the show's second half. And if you're looking at the show and kind of rolling your eyes and going like, ugh, enough with zombies. How many TV shows, how many movies have done zombies in the last 10 10, 15 years. I understand that instinct. It's been done every which way that you could possibly imagine, but the concept isn't the only selling point here. This one is actually worth watching because the zombies are scary and effective. It has the blood and guts factor. It's suspenseful. The action is shot well, and there's some great interpersonal drama. You hate some characters that live. You love some characters that don't make it, and each episode leaves you at a point where you can't wait to watch the next one. Don't watch this show if you want to watch just like one episode before you go to bed because I promise you you're going to be showing up bleary-eyed because you couldn't help but watch the next one or maybe the next one after that. The show is a bit of a time commitment. It is 12 episodes overall with a one hour per episode runtime. but even given that time commitment we devoured the show with very little complaint about how the time was spent. A lot of this show is about the journey that you take. It only takes place over about three days but there are a lot of twists and turns and different places that you're not expecting to go so I don't want to talk about it too much more before I get into spoilers so this is where I'll say if you haven't seen the show if you're on the fence about watching another zombie show or if it seems like a 12 episode show is too much I really think you're going to enjoy it particularly if you are a fan of the horror genre even if you're sick to death of zombies I think you really 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 are going to like the show because again it's not just that there are zombies in it it's about the people it's about their relationships and it's also a really really good apocalypse thriller. I mean, even 
just as zombies go, I really like how this show was done, especially because it wasn't done on an unlimited budget. So those are my overall non-spoiler thoughts on All of Us Are Dead. It's a big recommendation for me. From here on out, this is your blanket spoiler warning. I'm going to be talking about specific elements of the show that I liked, which includes spoiling plot points that happen throughout the season. So get ready, because spoilers are coming in 3, 2, 1. So getting into spoilers, I want to talk about, first of all, why I love the origin of the zombie virus in this show. First of all, I like that it's explained. It's not something supernatural or alien. It's not left up to question. It has its roots in some kind of science. And I like that not only is it just some biological agent that got loose from a lab somewhere, it's actually tied to the plot of the show. And it's tied into a very serious real-life issue, which is bullying. The idea that this virus was created by a father out of love and not even really out of a place of revenge, but trying to give his own son a chance to fight back against these bullies. In a weird way, if this had worked, you would almost be cheering him on. It's just that things went wrong and this huge tragedy ended up striking everybody in this town. Then on top of that, to make the main antagonist of the show a bully who's immune to the virus that was supposed to help this kid fight back against him just underscores how unfair and cruel the world can be sometimes. And that's what a lot of this show is about. Sometimes people get their just desserts or the people that you want to get together get together or whatever. But other times, it's about how things don't always work out the way that you think they're going to work out. That's tragedy. If it was just suspense and then you got what you wanted every single time, then I think the show would have run out of steam pretty early. The reason that it's so suspenseful is because the show in many ways is eminently unfair with the way that it treats some of the characters, either in a positive or a negative direction. I think the show also created a believable outbreak scenario. The choice to have people literally turn into zombies within seconds means that the outbreak can spread very quickly. You don't have to kind of justify why people are denying that this is happening and just to wait for more and more people to turn. No, this can happen within half an hour. And I love that even by the end of the first episode, you have this huge mass of zombies attacking the cafeteria. It's just that quick and everybody's kind of caught on their heels by it. Keeping all of the action confined, the main action at least, to the school for an entire season was a risk because it could have been very dull, boring, claustrophobic, repetitive. But I think one of the smart choices was to have the group move every episode and a half or so from the classroom to the recording room to the music room, etc. Lengthwise, I do think the show could have possibly been a couple episodes shorter. I think all the stuff with the kids at the school was great, but there was some other stuff like the cops who are out in the town and they find the baby and then the other little girl and the political intrigue stuff with the council member. Uh, not that it was necessarily bad, but looking back on the season as a whole, I think you could have probably pared this down to 10 episodes and not had those things. The more we were focused on the kids and on the school and then on the actions on the outside that directly impacted them, the more I was into the show. Some of these other side storylines I think could have been pared away and trimmed down. One of the things that actually kept me so invested and engaged with the kids at the school was the sense of loss that we would get every time a character would die. In order for you to care about these characters, you have to believe that they care about each other and that these kids aren't just fodder for zombies and you need that emotional impact. And I love what the show did with the flashbacks, such as on Joe's flashback to shopping and having fun with Isak as she becomes a zombie. That could have been a very forgettable character death, but the show takes time to underscore the impact of what's happening and why this character's death is important, even if we don't know her very well. Speaking of character deaths and friend character deaths on the show, Gong Su's death was perhaps the worst of the entire season for me. Just so unfair. He had such a pure friendship with Chong San. 
man. The fact that he was basically murdered is such a mean way to kill this character off. And I know that Guinam was nominally the main villain, but I think I actually hated Na Yeon, the stuck-up rich girl, the most in the entire show. Just her arrogance was enough for me to hate her, but then you add to that the fact that she murders someone just to prove a point and be right. Once the class found out, I'm glad that they sent her off into exile immediately, mainly because I just didn't want to watch her anymore. I was so angry at her for what she did. I know that they were sort of showing that she was having a change of heart toward the end, but even though these are high school kids, I was 100% okay with her getting devoured by Guinam later on in the show. I know I was critical of some of the storylines that took place outside of the school. One of them that I think really worked because it did tie in centrally to the other story was following the military at the quarantine zone outside of the city and particularly the general who has to choose what to do. Does he try to rescue people? Does he allow refugees out? Does he bomb the entire city, which he does end up doing in order to contain the infection? Do you risk the safety of the many to rescue a few? I like these kinds of quandaries, these kind of Kobayashi Maru type scenarios. It was heartbreaking to see the kids left behind on the school roof essentially to die. And then the general's decision afterwards to commit suicide is equally sad because to break down a military man like that takes a lot. And considering the lives lost, it's believable. The other thing that was really believable about this show is how the rest of society reacts. You had the social media star who decided to infiltrate the zombie infested city in order to, you know, get donations for his live stream. You had the pranksters who pretended to be zombies and then did the trolling fake apology. You had the people that were blocking refugees from entering their city because they were afraid that they were going to get infected. There's specific reference to COVID-19 in the show. So obviously part of the adaptation process took place in a post-COVID world. And you have to wonder how much of the actual societal reaction that we've seen in the last couple years made its way into the show, even though the webtoon was done over a decade ago. I know I'm spending a lot of time on the story beats, but I also don't want to forget that the show was also incredibly well made from a technical standpoint. The visual effects were mostly exceptional. I'm sure that almost all of the backgrounds were CG, as well as a lot of the aerial shots. It was also well shot and choreographed. I love the scene in the library with Chung Sen escaping the zombies, which reminded me of the mummy. And you had the scene in the gym where the group attempts to blockade their way out, which was incredibly tense, as well as the scene where they barricade the classroom and the zombies are slowly pushing forward. In addition to the action, though, I'm also glad that the show took the time to do these quieter moments. And this is where this long form format helps because you can take a few minutes instead of a few seconds to do things like the kids recording messages on the camera uh, to their loved ones. You have to have these moments to make us care. Some might say that devoting time to things like the death of Jimin's parents were not overall critical to the story, but I do think that you have to have these moments of hopelessness and devastation to paint the full picture of what they're going through. You need to empathize with these characters. Of course, the big question as we go into the second season is, is Chung San alive? We know that Namra is alive. She's on the roof of the school. She mentions that there are others coming coming. I assume that she means other hambies or half zombies or whatever you want to call them. I think Chung San is one of them. I think that he did not turn. I think that he has those enhanced abilities. And even though we saw him getting caught in that explosion, we also know that people with the zombie abilities are capable of healing. We saw Guinam heal several times. So I think he's still alive. I just can't imagine that they set up all of these things with his crush and these different storylines and then left them unresolved. Of course, the other question being, is Guinam still alive? 
I actually kind of hope not, even though he was such a great villain in this first season. Because if you bring him back, there's only a couple different things you could do with him. One, you give him some kind of redemption arc, which I don't really want to see or care to see. Or two, he stays a bad guy. And I feel like we did so many different beats with him this season. As great as they were, if you were to keep doing it, it might feel a little repetitive. I say let Guinam stay the big bad of season one and bring on someone or something different for season two. And I'm actually really excited to see where they go in the second season. I hope they don't sprawl too much. I think that's where The Walking Dead really went wrong, was you start centered on a very small cluster of survivors and then it just sort of sprawled and you bring in four times as many characters and you lose that central focus. I think as long as the story remains focused on these characters, remains focused on their relationships with each other, and I think even this small time constraint, let me see a crisis in season two that takes a two or three days to solve, that sees them working together closely, that that has the time for us to breathe and see these character moments actually develop. I think that there's a lot of potential for this show and it's yet another great effort between Netflix and this talent in South Korea and this is one of the things that I love about Netflix right now is they're really leaning into this idea of bringing artists from all around the world into your living room. Every week when I'm doing charts, I'm talking about movies that are being watched all around the world, not just from English-speaking countries, or not even just from the larger countries. We were looking at it today. There was a a movie in the top 10 from Poland, a movie in the top 10 from Turkey. We now have the most-watched television show uh, globally from South Korea. It was the most-watched show here in the United States last week. This is great because it's showing that great art doesn't know language or geographical boundaries. It's just about great stories and the dedicated artists who want to tell them. But what did you think? Was it more of the same for you? Did you like this teenage drama zombie show? What do you think is going to happen in season two? Let me know down in the comments below. And as always, thank you so much for watching. I also want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring today's review. I've been talking about them a lot on the channel for a reason. 2022 is a big year for me as far as looking after my own health and well-being. And something that I've incorporated into my daily routine is Athletic Greens. I can either just throw it into a cup of water or if I want to mix it up into a smoothie... I do that in the mornings. And what Athletic Greens does is provide you with so many things that your body needs. It's called nutritional insurance for a reason. It's making sure that you are getting what you need to function on a daily basis. Vitamins, probiotics, all in one convenient scoop. You don't have to take all these different supplements, all these different pills that cost a lot more than just buying a packet of Athletic Greens does. It's full of great stuff and it actually tastes good, which is a great quality for something that you're going to drink on a daily basis to have. And to make Make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Dan. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Dan, D-A-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank you, Athletic Greens, for sponsoring the show, and thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay safe. Bye. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. 
It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.